Straw Hut Media. Janelle Monet, Neil Patrick Harris, Sarah Paulson, Colton Haynes, Laverne Cox. There are so many inspiring LGBTQ actors and performers in entertainment today. Now more than ever, there are opportunities for queer people to tell stories and build successful careers, like my guest today, Harvey Guillen. But diversity in Hollywood has been hard won. In the past, Tinseltown was not a friendly place to be queer. Some actors came out only to family and friends because they were afraid of what could happen to their careers. In the 1930s, actor William Haynes was given a choice to either marry a woman or forfeit his profession. He chose his partner. In the 1950s, tabloids outed or blackmailed actors like Van Johnson and Rock Hudson. It was only 22 years ago that Ellen DeGeneres famously came out on her television show. Yes, Hollywood has come a long way. Even so, there's still a lot to be done. But if we can work even half as hard as Harvey worked towards achieving his dream to be an actor, we'll be off to a good start. I'm Levi Chambers, and from Straw Hut Media, this is Pride. What are you willing to do to achieve your dreams? Would you collect cans and bottles to pay for acting classes? Would you move to the other side of the world for a role in a musical? When Harvey Guillen decided he wanted to be an actor, there was literally nothing that could get in his way. Hey, I'm Harvey Guillen, and I'm an actor and advocate. You may have seen Harvey on Nickelodeon's The Thundermans, Sci-Fi's The Magicians, or the 2013 movie The Internship with Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. But most recently, you probably know him as Guillermo, the human familiar on the popular FX series, What We Do in the Shadows. I feel like you're like, when someone says like, I want to be a working actor, Mm. you are the dream because you work a lot. You know, it's so funny. People say that all the time. They're like, you're a working actor. You're always constantly working. I always see that. And it's funny because uh, I think it was my friend Jesse um, Moulton who said this. uh, Well, actually, her and her dad um, said that uh, they love the phrase overnight success. But it's not overnight success. It's been like working at it for years and years. And when you make it seem seamless, that's the job. And I think also Kiki said this, Kiki Palmer. Um, she said that uh, the job is to make it look effortless, but you don't see how much you're hustling, you know, behind closed doors. Like every for everything I book, you don't see the 50 things I don't book because I'm not advertising the 50 failures, you know, I'm like promoting the actual win. And so, yeah, I always say when you book a role, like a major role, like every time I, I get a series regular, it's like winning the lottery. And if you're lucky enough to win the lottery several times in one lifetime, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a lifetime to figure out what you want to do with your life. Other times, it's evident from a very young age. I wanted to be an actor when I was six years old. I was watching Annie on TV. I thought it was a TV show because I didn't know that um, it was a movie. <laughs> and I was watching the, the the TV show called Annie. And I saw these kids who were poor and uh, running around with mops and dancing and singing. And I looked over at mom and I said, mom, I want to be that. I want to be an orphan. And she looked at me like... Um, gay? And I was like, I want to be an orphan. And she was like, ¿Estás loco? I was like, are you crazy? You know, single mom, immigrant, you know, like it was just, uh, yeah, I want to be that. And she was like, no, no, son actores are actors. And I was like, well, I want to be an actor. And it's like, no. And so like, you have to be rich to be an actor. 
And I wait, what? You have to be rich or have money to play poor on television. So yeah, it, with the way it works is, you know, they probably get training and they get acting coaches and singing. Well, I want those things. And she was like, oh, mijo, no tenemos dinero. We have no money for that. And I was like, well, if I get the money, can I take an acting class somewhere or can I get trained? She said, mijo, if you can get the money, you can do whatever you want. And I said, okay. And at six years old, I realized that no one's ever going to give you anything. You really have to go out and get it. And that was a lesson. And most people would say, well, don't you feel robbed of a childhood, you know, because you learned such a harsh lesson at such an early age. But not really. I really kind of like pushed myself and I said, okay, I'm going to do it. When you know, you know. And what's really inspiring about Harvey in particular is that time after time, he chose to do the thing that moved him towards his goal, even when it was hard or unpleasant. My friend told me about a YMCA class that they were doing improv, and it was like $20 or something, 50 cents. And I asked my mom for the money, of course, and she said no. And I said, okay, well, I need to get this class. I need to make money somehow. And then we were walking home from school one day, and I saw this homeless guy going through trash cans. And I said, what is he doing, mom? It's gross. And, you know, what is he picking up? And he's like, oh, those are the, those botes. He sells the cans. And I said, you can make money off the cans and bottles? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, uh, okay. And I ran into her closet, got a wire hanger, unhooked it, like unhinged the top, stretched it out. And I started going through trash cans and collecting bottles, cans, everything, rain or shine, every weekend, quinceañera, after school. It took me two weeks to earn like $6.75 or something like that. I was like not even halfway there really. And it took me the rest of the month to raise the rest of the money. And eventually I took the class and after it was an hour and a half of improv, they divided this this group into like six-year-olds to like nine and then 10 to like teens, you know? And I was in the small group, obviously. But what we did was walk around and we're like, you're a bear and you're a lion now. And now you're a butterfly. And we're like, wow. And I remember after it was done, I, I just felt this crackle to the feeling of entertaining just because I, I made people laugh. I love making people laugh. If I can make people laugh every day, that's my goal. I just love it. That's that's really what I started doing as a kid. And I just remember I really love doing this, but do I want to spend another month going through trash and it was sticky and gross and smelling? And I said, yeah, I do. I really do. Because what I felt for an hour and a half, I'm willing to sacrifice for a month of hard labor. <laughs> Now, since you did all of that, I mean, how did your mom react to that? She had to have just been like this <clears throat> kid. Yeah, she, you know, <clears throat> the thing about immigrant parents, um, they're not here to take anything from anyone. They teach values to their kids. They Hard work pays off. And what she was telling me that if you want something, we live literally in the country of opportunity, that you can do whatever you want. You know, you can be whoever you want if you go out and find a way. And at that age, I just remember thinking, I'm going to do this because I saw how hard my mom worked. She worked three jobs just to pay rent, you know, and just to put food on the table. And I saw what she was doing. Like, she was working hard to give us this opportunity. And I was not going to waste the opportunity of uh, being, you know, uh, in this great country. And I just remember I'm going to do it. And I kept doing it. I kept uh, selling cans at think until I was eight. And then I started selling chocolates door to door with this like total douchebag who took advantage of like low income communities. He would post, you know, little posters that says, are you a teen between the ages of, you know, this age and this age? And of course I lied. I said I was at least 13 and I wasn't at that point. And, but I've always been big. So like he looked at me, he's like, yeah, you look like you're a teen. And I was like, great. And let me sell chocolates door to door. He was just like, like total sleaze bag. He get he would buy it from the 99 cent store and you'd sell it for five dollars and he keep um basically you get a dollar twenty five and you keep the rest. 
So you sell a product for five dollars because you're selling your face. You're like going door to door, knock, knock, knock. Hey, I'm you know Harvey, and I'm with blank, 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 and trying to sell my last box so I can go to Six Flags. And they're like, oh, they're so cute. Yeah, yeah, I'll buy a box, five dollars, right? But you only get dollar twenty-five from each item. So you really have to sell like at least twenty-five boxes a night to make any kind of, you know, bill, you know. And I would, I became his bestseller because it was all an acting game to me. Like I literally go door to door, and it would be like, today I'm going to Disneyland, tomorrow I'm going, I'm trying to go to camp. Like the story would change, whatever I needed to do. But because in the back of my mind, it was always you have to make the money to pay for those classes for dance, for you know, um, ballet, for voice coaching, everything. So I just kept doing it. That teaches you a lot, right? Because at that age, even as a high schooler, you realize that everything costs money where mm-hmm. everyone else has to get to 18. And then sometimes they go to college and their parents still pay for everything. Then you're 25 and you are like, wait, the rent's a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, yeah, I got like a, a crash course into like what, you know, being an adult would be. And so it was really seamless to move out of my house and to move to a different country. When I moved out of my parents' um, place was because I got a job in Japan and I moved uh, to a different continent <laughs> for 13 months. And so I was living in Japan, um, you know, fresh out of school. And I just looked back and it was it was hard, of course, because you move to a different country. First of all, moving out is just hard in general. But I took a leap. Like it wasn't like just, I'm moving down the street to my an apartment with my friend's mom. You know, it was like I'm moving to Japan <laughs> and I'm not going to be home for the holidays. I'm not because you are working. And so I really have taken those steps that people do in life, but made them really drastic. <laughs> just literally, I moved and I did it and I came back. So everything seemed so um, easy after that. Like it was like if I moved from one apartment to a house or whatever, it didn't seem like a big deal because I was like, I moved out of the country, you know, so at a young age. So I, I feel like I can pretty much uh, tackle anything. <laughs> yeah. Telling your mom, like, I'm moving to a different time zone where it will be tomorrow yeah. when I get there. Yeah. I needed to do it. And that was one thing I said that I didn't come this far just to come this far. So when the opportunity, you know, is presented to me to do something great, even if it is, you know, unfortunately being away from your family and being away from your, you know, partner or whatever, you have to remember all the things you did to lead up to this, you know, everything you've sacrificed till now so why would you sacrifice all that in the past and then get to a certain place like you know what i'm not gonna take that job in japan i don't want to like be away from home you know and it's like look you sometimes there's sacrifices and you sacrifice so much to get here why stop now Consistently making a choice to keep moving forward instead of giving up takes strength, dedication, and courage. Even though we continue to progress as a society, there are still so many instances of discrimination, typecasting, and stereotyping in Hollywood that are really hard to break away from. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, coming to Hollywood in particular, being queer and a person of color? And all of these different things were Hollywood in the past. I mean, yes, it's getting more diverse and that's great. It's shifting. At one point it was like, if you're not this white, muscular guy, you're not going to work. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When I started, I remember I had um, people tell me that, you know, like I had agents who told me that when I first got, you know, into Hollywood, if you will. I got my first agent when I was in um, high school, my senior year. And I remember that they went down a list. Literally, they went on a list. They're like, are you going to lose the weight? And it's like, oh, because, you know, I've always been plus size, you know, and bigger and I've been husky and whatever you want to call it. But I never saw it as a, um, I have to change, you know. I didn't want to change because um, I felt comfortable in my body and I felt um, I wasn't 
I didn't feel uncomfortable in my body until someone told me I should be. So the weird part is that it's other people's perception of who I should be that completely changes and um, shifts your mind about um, who you are. Because I was comfortable growing up in my skin. It wasn't until someone points it out that I shouldn't be. And it wasn't until a you know, agent says, well, you gotta lose weight, you know, you're not gonna get a lean role part. And I was like, why not? And it's like, <laughs> no one casts like a chubby guy to be the lead. Where now we have seen that and we have seen the, the there's a market for it, you know, that there are people are being seen as just human and uh, and telling a story and not just the first thing you see is like, ooh, no, they cannot be a love interest. They are big and we cannot have that. I But I did go through that where I used to go to auditions and the breakdown literally like these writers would just literally put down um, fat guy and they didn't bother to give him a name. Like it was like. And it wasn't even focusing necessarily on the, their body size. It was just like a scene with the guy that had dialogue. They didn't even bother to give the fat guy a name. They were just like, fat guy, number one. And it's like, you had several lines and you could have called him Ted, Ricardo, whatever you want to call him. They didn't even give them the value of a name. And I just remember looking back at like my early auditions where I had to go to those auditions. That was a, an opportunity that I had that I was like, ugh. So you go in the door you smile you do it and you book it and then you get to set and you're like do we have to keep calling like and, it's like, and then like oh yeah no let's just let's call him ted you know or let's call him so like the idea that even in the writer's room the value they were putting on people of size was don't even bother it's like don't even bother giving him a name just call him fatty that's it and it was just like it blew my mind that like where that has i would think that the writers would be more creative than that you know you're a writer for a reason that you spend your whole career learning how to be <laughs> right. a, a great writer and you can't think of a name for a human being. That's what really blew my mind when I first got started. And of course it's changed and it's going in a better direction, but we've come so far, but we got so far to go. What's unique about being a queer actor or other public figure is that you often have to come out multiple times first personally, and then again, publicly. We'll hear about Harvey's coming out experience after the break. came out to my mom I feel like in high school was like sophomore year but she would always hint that my friend um, Adriana was really pretty and little did she know that Adriana um, is also queer <laughs> and she would always be like Está bien bonita, Adriana? like she's really pretty isn't she and I was like yeah she is and she was like does she have a boyfriend I was like no she doesn't oh she should get a boyfriend and I was like oh well it's up to her you know because I'm not also talking about my friend's you know personal relationships with my mom and she said, oh, you should date her. And I was like, and I literally looked at her because I think there was an un, unspoken thing where I thought she knew. And I thought it was pretty obvious. And sometimes you really have to nail it on the head. You know what I mean? Like it was literally like, wait, mom. I literally looked over and I looked straight in the eye and I said, you know, I'm gay, right? And she goes, oh, pues sí, yo, pues con que estés feliz, which means as long as you're happy, you know, it wasn't like a shock. And I think she, I think what she was doing was she needed to hear it, you know? So when she was throwing those little hints, was she, it was really more for her. Like, I didn't officially say it, it was until that moment. And then when she heard it, it was done. Like, it was set. And I think sometimes coming out is more for other people 
than the person themselves, you know, because I feel like I was so comfortable and like my friends knew, you know what I mean? Like who I was and I, I feel, oh, like I said, I was comfortable in my own skin, but like it was for other people's comfort to be like, okay, well now that's covered. Okay, good. Now we know. Harvey, like many queer entertainers, has a different expectation of being at least somewhat public about his personal life. Whether it's being featured on the Out 100 or cultivating a presence with other LGBTQ magazines, being vocal about your own journey as a queer person can have a profound and positive effect on young people in conservative families and cities across the country. It's so funny. I feel like I was just talking about this to someone. I I don't think I've had an official like come out party or, you know, or parade. Um, I've never been on Out 100 which is surprising because people were just pointing this out yesterday online because out says, who should we nominate for out 100? And I thought about it and I was like, oh, that's right. I've never been in. I've been on this, in this business for like 10 years, 10 years and done, you know, really cool stuff. Uh, won the GLAAD award, which, you know, that alone was like a big accomplishment and an honor. And to think I was like, hmm, I never really had a coming out like article or like a cover people magazine you know what I mean because um it's if you know me you know me and if it helps someone and you know uh, what they're coming out story in middle America then I want them to know that I am I'm here you know but no one's ever really asked you know and I think uh, I credit this to the fact that would people ask if I was 6'2 blonde blue-eyed would that be more of a headliner but since I'm you know a person of color I'm short stout it's not of a bigger news story, unfortunately. And it's true. I feel like because of that, you know, because you see those people like, so-and-so comes out and it's like sexy cover with the whatever, you know, lingerie or something. And it's like, whoa, they are gay, <laughs> you know? And it's usually like the sex appeal of coming out. And for some reason, no one seems to be bothering to know that there's people who are queer all around you who don't look like a good cutter, you know? That's unfortunate, and I hope to change that. But it was funny because I can prove that. No one's asked me face-to-face, like, oh, by the way. They just, by the time they figure it out, they're like, oh, yeah, I knew. Yeah, I knew. Or, yeah, I heard. Or so, But it was never, like, a big deal. No one made a big hurrah for me to do it. And uh, so I'll make my own hurrah. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. You know, coming from, because I once upon a time worked much closer without, but it was very much what you said. It's who's going to make bring the most eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And I'm even like, um, I don't know if you know Craig Zayden and um, Neil Marin. They produced like the Oscars and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of those. But there was one year where they wanted to be on it and they'd never been on it. And they didn't end up being on it. And they produced the Oscars that year. Mm. And when I talked to him, he was like, it's because I'm old. And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. It's, absolutely. And it's uh, there's a certain image that goes, it's so weird because I would think with coming out, it'd be like a celebration of a life and a story and, then it's like, oh, they're coming out. What do they look like? You know? And it's yep. like, what? Well, can we put a sexy snake in their crotch? You know? And it's like, uh, what? wait, 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 what? We're just, we're just telling people that they are, you know, coming out. And they're, you know, like when Ellen Page came out, that was great too. But like, you know, I feel like um, it was needed. It was such a time where it was like, there's kids who need to see representation in front of them that they are killing themselves, you know, because they feel isolated and... You know, we were kind of in a bubble in L.A., New York, 
the major cities, but we forget the middle America is not, you know, this bubble. And even the, the fear is now that I'm seeing it more in these uh, bigger cities now. Like I, I've literally seen stuff on the street where I'm like, where are we? Like, what, what time is this and what's happening? Because uh, we unfortunately have, you know, an administration that's um, fueling that and telling people that it's okay to attack what's different and to make someone a monster because you don't agree with their lifestyle or their um or who they love or what they love you know and how they love and that's unfortunate and we need to make a quick change and shift because it is spiraling yes the entertainment industry is genuinely shifting in terms of diversity and the acceptance of queer actors and performers but there is still a long way to go like I was saying earlier, like every time I, I, I book like uh, a major role or a series regular on a show or a movie, I feel like I won the lottery because you really did, you know, outbeat thousands and thousands and thousands of people for the role, you know. So I'm trying to think of the high. I guess the highest is always, I'm always happiest when I'm working, when I'm on set. I have friends and family visit me on set. And if I'm dating someone, the loved one's there, and it's a it's a family thing. When everything I love is tangible and within five feet, is when it's my highest. When everything I love is around me and I'm surrounded by it, I love being on set. And when people come visit me on set and I'm doing what I love and they get to see the work I do, and we get to have lunch, on set, like that's that's the high. Like, that is my highest. Like, the, I, it's euphoric. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's the, the it's the highest. Uh, and then the lowest, I think, would be, you know, it's tough because you are, uh, you know, this world of acting is like, there's, you're in a high for a while and then you're, might be in a low for a while. And so that roller coaster goes up and down when it's like you're down to your last 20 bucks you know or something i remember when i was like working um at a theater company and i literally uh decided to take the leap i'm gonna do it and i got a series regular on a show and i was like this is great and then the show got canceled and then you're like ooh, like what do i do because do you go back to you know uh, a nine to five do you go back to that because that'll limit your audition times or do you take the plunge and say nope I'm an actor, this is what I'm doing, I'll find you know, ways to make income with, with acting, and I'll make it happen. But there's always that scary, like, you know, it's like on a tightrope, you know, it's just like, you might fall any second, and it's that anxiety, because you're like, okay, 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 I booked this job, that's gonna hold me, that's gonna hold me, and you take three more steps on the tightrope, and you're like, okay, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good, and you're balancing, balancing, and you're like, whew, okay, I got another job, okay, steady, steady, and then it might be dry for a couple of weeks, or maybe a couple of months, and the wind's blowing. And you're like, uh-oh, and you're still on the tightrope. And you're like, oh, the wind's blowing, the wind's blowing. Ooh, no, 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 come on, come on, come on. And it's starting to get foggy. I don't even know where the rope is anymore. I'm like, there it is. I can see the rope. I can see it. And then you book something, and the sun comes out. So it's just, um, I think that's how you can uh, relate to be an actor. Always on the tightrope, and you're just trying to get from one point to the other. So for you, getting from this point to this point is just because you love everything in between, even when it's foggy yeah, and you can't see the rope. Yeah, even when it's foggy, yeah. Yes, the entertainment industry is genuinely shifting in terms of diversity and the acceptance of queer actors and performers, but there is still a long way to go. It has changed, 
but it hasn't changed um, completely, if that makes sense. I feel like, yeah, like a good example is Colton, like anyone who knew him knew, you know, because that was his personal life and he's allowed to love everyone, you know, but um, what does it affect him? Because, you know, he's no longer a sex object for a teenage girl to put a poster over her bed, you know? And boys, you know, like, because um, at the end of the day, it's numbers, you know, who watches these shows, the demographic, it's female, you know, and he's a leading man, he's handsome. And unfortunate for us that that's the way that Hollywood has been doing it for so long that it's hard to break a habit, but they are breaking it. And you and we've proven that those fans will support the, the actor, the talent behind this character because they love the person. People are so stuck in the idea that uh, fans fall in love with the character. And if the character themselves is being performed by a queer actor and that character is not queer and they're straight, that people fall out of the fantasy. That people completely drop and be like, I'm not watching that. That guy's gay. And he's in a love story with the female? No, thank you. You know what I mean? Give people some credit that as a performer and a thespian, that's what your job is, is to portray a life and it's not your own someone else's life and in your life if you're queer and you love someone that's your life don't get the two confused as a performer i'm always blown away when people meet me and they go like oh you're not like guillermo you know and it's like that's that's a character you know i I play that and it's like oh i know but i thought you were like you know i was just expecting you to be like that and they're almost disappointed sometimes that you're not this character and it's like but that's what you tune in to watch that character so you should tune in every week to watch that character you might not want to tune in to watch my personal life that's okay because i'm not welcoming you with cameras into my living room and my kitchen i'm not doing a reality show you know um i'm welcoming you to see this character develop and if you like the character then the job was done Guillermo, the virgins arriving soon they should be any minute now master fingers crossed <laughs> So give me the scoop on what we do in the shadows. Oh man, what we do in the shadows. Um, we just finished season one. Such, uh, we have so much footage that you guys will never see because there's just so much. <laughs> there's hours and hours of like improv. Like these, um, the whole cast is really great. You know, most of the cast is from the UK. And we got Matt Berry, Natasha. We got um, Kate Novak. Like it's insane. Like it's just like everyone's super talented. It's like playing hot. I always compare it to playing hot potato. And playing hot potato and no one drops it. Like you could play hot potato for hours with these people and it's just as good. Like it never gets boring. Um, it's so cool. Um, if you watch this season, you see the arc for Guillermo de la Cruz. Um, I can do spoilers, I'm assuming, because hopefully people watch. But if you haven't, we find out that Guillermo is um, the offspring um, of Van Helsing. So that's the natural vampire killer, which is unfortunate for Guillermo because he wants to be a vampire so bad. And I think... Uh, you know, I, we've we did Comic Con this year, and it was my first Comic Con ever. It was amazing. It was really cool. Um, I was there earlier because I was doing the panel. The actual meet and greet for in Comic Con was on Saturday, but I was there like Thursday, and people were tweeting that they couldn't make it to Comic Con because Comic Con's become really expensive. I never been to Comic Con because for that reason I couldn't afford to go to Comic Con when I was in high school and uh, in college and all that because I needed to pay for acting classes. Um, so I thought about that and I thought. There's people in the city who would love to meet us and they can't meet us because they're going to go to Comic-Con. So FX had a uh, exhibit um, right by the Hilton next door to Comic-Con that you can go for free. Like you can just walk through the made, the we, we built the house for what we do in the shadows. Oh, awesome. And people can go for free. And I literally said, 
if you're here tomorrow uh 2 p.m or something you can come say hi like you don't have to like you know pay money because even though we're there for comic-con uh, people were saying they couldn't afford it and i didn't feel comfortable with i i I've been there. You know what I mean? When you wish you can go see someone that you admire or someone that you like or you really care for the performance, or whatever, and you can't because you can't afford it. It's money. And I said, come. And I thought maybe two people, three would show up. And there was a line like around like the whole house area and down like the entrance and stuff. And it blew my mind and it just went to prove. And half of those people couldn't afford to get the tickets and half of them already had tickets and they were going to see us the next day, but they wanted to come and say hi anyways. They were going to see us twice. And the idea that they came and they showed up. I was like, see, this is exactly because we wouldn't be where we were without the fans. And why wouldn't you want to meet your fans if you can? I was already there. The rest of the cast was showing up the next day. So um, it was just me like meeting them. And I think that everyone connects to Guillermo because he is the only human in the show. And we're all Guillermos. We've all been in a job where we think that we're going to be considered for the promotion and we're overlooked. We've all been in a relationship where we think this relationship is in my head going a certain way and it's heading towards marriage or something and the other person's like oh no we're just hanging and it's like oh we've all been there we've all had a Guillermo moment in our lives so I feel like that's where people come to like oh I feel so bad for Guillermo I feel so bad and it's like you feel bad because he's the only one that you can relate to he's human and we all have human emotions and uh, highs and lows and unfortunate for us um, we cry we we laugh which is good but like uh, I feel that that's the only reason why people really connect to him is because they are rooting for him to, it, down to the core as humans we all root for each other we really do want us to succeed I do want to support you in whatever you do because I know that you want the best for me and I want the best for you I think that's just the human in all of us you know so um, that's why everyone I think really connects to him It's clear that Harvey has carved out an impressive career for himself over the last 10 years, and there are more great things in his future. So right now I have a series called uh, The Filth. You can go to uh, thefilthseries.com and you can look at the whole um, first season. And we have great cameos. We have Danny Franzese. We have Cassie Skirbo. We have Colleen Bollinger, Corey DeSoto, like... All my friends came and played with us and they were so generous in Sweden. It's um, a great um, story about two friends who are both queer um, millennials in L.A. who are trying to just go through life. And like it's like everyday scenarios and uh, it's really sweet story. And I think you guys will enjoy it. So you should take a look. And where can everyone connect with you? You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Same thing under at Harvgian. So at H-A-R-V-E-Y-G-U-I-L-L-E-N. Although Harvey's success in Hollywood is a bit of a rarity, it's important to remember that people like him have a significant effect on the world. Both Harvey and his characters serve as a reminder that if you believe in yourself, anything is possible. Pride is brought to you by Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and all that good stuff. You can find us all over your socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Pride. And follow me everywhere, at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. Pride.